Well, Happy New Year to you. It was something that happened every year. I knew it was coming. And it was something that I dreaded each and every year. Each year on the first Sunday of every new year, my grandfather would have what he called Missions Sunday. And his belief was that if he would have the first Sunday of every year focused on missions, that it would inspire, that it would get the church to consider what their role is in the kingdom of God worldwide. So the first Sunday of every year, my grandpa would have missions Sunday, and he loved it. I didn't. So that was grandpa's belief. That wasn't mine. See, I grew up in a family of missionaries. My great-grandparents, those of you who know me know my story. My great-grandparents were missionaries, and my great-grandmother was one of the first female licensed physicians in the U.S. She took those skills, and she grabbed my great-grandpa, and they went to the continent of Africa. And my, my grandparents were missionaries, too. But for some reason, I grew up thinking that missions and evangelism and outreach, that was for the special people, the super Christians, the exceptionally gifted. It wasn't for normal people. It wasn't for ordinary people. It wasn't for people like me. See, I grew up thinking that missions and outreach was optional. It wasn't something that all of us were called to and empowered for. But years ago, a missionary shared this passage with me. It's something from the Apostle Paul to the Church of Corinth. Here's what Paul wrote. He says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. He continued, The base things of the world and the spies God has chosen the things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. See, here's the thing. The church, the church of Christ isn't filled with superstars. It's not filled with exceptional people. It's filled with normal people. It's filled with ordinary people that have been called by God to not only allow God to do something extraordinary in them, but extraordinary through them. I'm not sure why we're all surprised at that powerful truth because we see evidence of that throughout Scripture. When God called Abraham, he took, he took a guy living with his parents in adulthood to leave everything that God might turn him into a nation that would bless the entire world. And just in case you think Abraham was special, that Abraham was this superstar follower of God, Abraham, remember, was the guy who sold his wife for cattle, not once, but twice, out of fear. And yet God used Abraham to begin a movement that would bless the world. How about Moses? God called an outcast out of Egypt, an outcast with a speech impediment, to lead the nation of God out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land. God used a guy named Gideon, the youngest son of the weakest family of the smallest tribe of a broken people to deliver the entire nation out of oppression. God chose 12 apostles, 
a group made up of political zealots, tax collectors, businessmen, and built his church through them. The Apostle Paul, one of my favorite examples, God took a guy who persecuted the movement, who was dead set against the movement. God changed his heart and used him to begin this, this ministry of God that reached the nations. The truth is, God's plan is to still use ordinary people in this world to do extraordinary things in them and through them. Over the past 10 plus years, myself and other leaders of the church, we've worked hard to find ministry leaders around the globe that share our belief that God can and chooses to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things in their life and through their life. And I got to tell you, over those years, we've built some great friendships. We've built some great partnerships. We've, we've built relationships with God's people around the world. And we've seen God do great things, not because of us, but because of him doing extraordinary things in and through the lives of ordinary people. Today, I'd like to introduce you to two of those. Two ordinary people that we've had the blessing to get to know and have a friendship with to ordinary people, that God has done extraordinary things in and through. Here's a little introductory video about their ministry in life. Watch this. This is a story about how God is working among his children. In the early 1990s, Mary Kamau, a young college student, visited Madare Valley, one of Kenya's oldest slums. What she saw transformed her life forever. Characterized by crime, substance abuse, poor sanitation, high rates of disease, and an absence of public utilities, Madare Valley is a harsh environment for anyone, let alone children and their families. Living on less than $2 a day with no viable avenues to earn more, parents living here often feel stuck, even hopeless, forced to pick and choose which critical needs to meet. But... What shocked Mary the most was that it appeared that no one was stepping in to help. It was at that moment the Holy Spirit called Mary to what would become her lifelong work. Mary, along with her husband Wallace, quickly realized that as much as the people of Madare Valley were hungry for the hope of Christ, they also needed a way to meet their most basic needs. Stepping out in faith, Wallace and Mary began building what would later be known as Missions of Hope International, opening their first Christian school for 50 kindergarten students in the year 2000. Over the years, God has blessed the ministry with rapid growth through partnerships with churches and supporters worldwide. Through building schools, planting churches, and implementing holistic ministry, Missions of Hope International now serves tens of thousands of children and families in disadvantaged and overlooked communities in Kenya and beyond. Children receive a quality Christian education, nutritious meals, and the support they need to thrive. Parents are economically empowered through skills training, jobs creation, business training, and small loans. Communities have access to healthcare through medical and dental clinics. Church plants disciple and equip members to spread the gospel throughout their communities. This holistic approach to evangelism 
has proven incredibly effective in helping to end generational poverty while simultaneously spreading the hope of Jesus, transforming lives, not just for today, but for eternity. So this is uh, Wallace and Mary Kamau, and um, and I know you brought three of your children with us. Do you want to introduce them to the church? Sure. Um, Our kids are there. Um, We still call them kids, even though two of them are young adults. (laughs) We have Imani, just start uh, and just wave to the church. Uh, Imani and Victory, Victory and David. Yes. So I know, Mary, um, when I heard your story, you know, and then I was over there, and I've heard about it forever, but I didn't see it until this last summer. Uh, and hearing your story and how God called you as a college student to go into the Mathari Valley, right? Uh, it's like four miles long by one mile deep, densely populated poverty. Right, and God, you felt like God called you to go in and minister within that people. I, I think my first question, Mary, is how how did you know that? How did you discern that? Because here's my belief is that, um, like I said, I think Bible teaches that God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things, but we always assume God's going to use someone else. How did you know that God wanted to use you? Well. Um... Honestly, um, you know, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things because personally, I was born and brought up in central Kenya in a family that is a polygamous family. My dad had two wives, and I'm the seventh born of a total of 20 children. Mm. And so growing up, we did not have much resources. We were poor in our community. And so I knew that the only way out of that situation was to work hard, go to college, find a job, maybe in a bank and work with money and not be poor. That was my thinking as a little girl. And so then uh, God helped me and I went to Kenyatta University. And as a college student, first year, first semester, that's when I accepted Jesus as my personal savior. Mm. And Yeah, you can applaud for that. That's a cool thing. And, uh, you know, I had, I had not known that salvation was for young people prior to that. And uh, <coughs> after I accepted Jesus, I joined this group that would go to different communities to evangelize. During one of those times is when I met somebody who told me about the slums. I had never heard about the slums. I had never been there. And I was shocked to hear that such a community existed. And I believe it was the Spirit of God who put this urge in me, a strong urge to just want to go and see this community for myself. And this person took me on one Saturday morning, and that was the turning point of my life. First of all, I wondered why I had complained my whole life, thinking that I was poor, why I had thought that I was disadvantaged being in a polygamous family. And for the first time, I felt like I really appreciated my family. I was thankful to God for my family. 
And that is how God just started working on me. And he kept impressing on my heart. And I felt that, you know, why, why are these people living in this kind of poverty? And especially the children. Why aren't Christians doing something about it? But remember, I was just this ordinary girl from this, you know, polygamous family. And I didn't have much resources. But I remember God, uh, almost the spirit of God uh, laying on my heart like, a question came to my mind, you know, what do I have? And I had a little bit of pocket money as a student, and that was the first seed, I always say, mm. that I planted in this ministry because I took that bit of money, did some grocery shopping, just few things, and I took to this one family in the community of Madare Valley. And that is what God used to really trigger my desire to start working with the children. Because when I took this bag of groceries, kids in that neighborhood came to this one chanty, and it's like they knew there must be food in these bags. <laughs> and so this family started cooking the rice that I, I brought, and they shared with all these kids. And as we were waiting for the rice to be cooked, I started just talking to these kids and, uh, and, and, and telling them about the love of Jesus. I taught them the song, Jesus Loves the Little Children or the Children of the World. And within no time, uh, I kind of just felt God really laying it on my heart so strongly that something has to be done. Mm. And I had to be part of that something. But the little I could do, that's what I started. And as I went back to college, I couldn't stop thinking about those children and about those families and about that community. And I kept going back every Saturday. And whatever little I had, I would buy snacks, give to these kids. And that's what God used to really speak to me. And by the time I completed college, a few years later, I knew this is what I wanted to do mm. for the rest of my life until today. And by God's grace, I met my husband, Wallace, later on in a prayer meeting. Him, he was working with Pricewaterhouse at that point. And, uh, and as we talked and got to know each other, we realized that we were both passionate about this community. And after we had been married and with our first two children in the year 2000, it is when we took a step of faith, using his salary, and started the first school mm. with 50 kids. And over the last 23 years, and this is our 24th year that we just started, God has blessed this ministry. As of tomorrow, because this is a, a new a new year uh, start, uh, we, we are going to be having almost 30,000 children 30, in our schools. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I like that, uh, Mary, to where, you know, because we, we see what Mohi is now, right? And, and it's interesting, my, we assumed that, well, just Mary just woke up one day, okay, I'm going to start this ministry that's going to minister to 30,000 children and their families. But really, it started with you just serving one. You serving one family, right? And, and then, Wallace, what was that like getting when you and, and Mary began to build a relationship knowing that this was in her heart? 
was, was that something that you needed to be convinced about? Or is that something that God was simultaneously building in your heart at the same time? Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I thank God for all what he's done. Uh, because growing up, my desire was to be an accountant. And God gave me that opportunity to start with PricewaterhouseCoopers. That's, that's the best auditing firm. And um, built up my career uh, became a chief finance officer, uh, but I knew that God was calling me to ministry because I started doing ministry as a university student, uh, going out for missions. And um, when we met, I had been to this Madare Valley in a different way, but I knew that uh, this is where God was calling us. Mm. And I do not regret today leaving the career and uh, going and investing in ministry because I have seen God being faithful to us, I mean, in the, in the family and in the ministry. And uh, God has entrusted unto us a ministry, I mean, uh, a ministry model, a holistic ministry model that is impacting children, their families, and communities at the same time. Because through the holistic ministry model, we have children who are sponsored and they come to our school and they are given quality Christian education and uh, they are also taught about God. And uh, these children give us access to their families. And through the social workers, we are able to minister to the families. And that is where the transformation takes place. Because through our initiatives, my, uh, we have uh, economic empowerment, where we have microfinance, we have skills training, and we also get involved in the marketplace uh, to create jobs. And we see families being transformed through economic empowerment. We also have health uh, where God has helped us uh, to provide uh, curative services, but also health education in these communities. And at the same time, we are very, very intentional about ministering to the people with the gospel. And so there is always a church that is planted alongside the school and all these initiatives so that there is holistic transformation of the ministry. And that is how God has helped us as we have replicated this model from the one school that we started with 50 children, now we are in 36 communities, 35 in Kenya, and God opened from last year uh, an opportunity for us to be in Liberia in West Africa. And so we thank God, and I believe that uh, he will take us to many more places. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, you know, for me, when, when God called me into ministry, the last thing I wanted to do was be a pastor. I wanted to be a doctor because doctors, that, they, they made the money, they had the respect and, the, and, and respect in the community. And, um, and I think when God called me into ministry, one of the things he had to do was change my heart, right? Like I saw ministry as a burden and the Bible says the ministry is a blessing and it took God to do a work in my heart. So Wallace, maybe you can share, how is this ministry, you know, you and Mary have walked away from one part of life that you thought you wanted, and God has now blessed you with this ministry. How have you seen this ministry not be, I mean, it's, there's got to be a burden to it too. 30,000 children, that's a lot of responsibility. I have four, and that's plenty. 30,000, but how is this ministry been a blessing to you and Mary, to your family, and, and just to your heart? Yeah, I consider, I mean, ministry as a privilege that God has given mm. us. And uh, it has not been a burden in any way. 
And I do not see any loss. Indeed, God has blessed us immensely uh, because of just getting involved in this ministry. I mean, when I look at our family, our children have gone to school. They have gone to some of the best colleges. They are now working. And uh, we've also seen uh, God just blessing you know, our other family, the extended family. And uh, just seeing these children who's, uh, who are coming from the vulnerable communities, who would not have had the opportunity to get quality education. Now we are seeing them working. Uh, some of them uh, have been able to take uh, medicine. We are seeing some of them who are engineers and uh, so many other careers in which now that, uh, you know, they are blessed. And with that, they are going to transform their families. Their families are not going to be the same uh, because we made a sacrifice to get involved in ministry. And so it's such a blessing to us mm. as we see all what God is doing. And it's so humbling. Yeah. I, I, was also, I wanted to also add and say that um, you can never outdo God. You cannot outdo God. God will always do much more than you can ever imagine. You know, whether it is in your family, whether it is in your own life, but also to the people that you are ministering to. When you see the transformation that is taking place in the lives of these children, their families, the communities, it is such a blessing. It is like you see somebody in such a state of helplessness, hopelessness, but because of that small step that you take in your life and say, yes, Lord, I will do what you want me to do, that person is lifted from that state of helplessness and hopelessness, and they are placed in, a, in, in such a way that they can be able to thrive and live out the purposes of God for their lives. What a blessing. Mm. And so I always say that you can never outdo God. And God will always use you, no matter what your background is, as long as you say yes to what he's calling you to. And, uh, and, it, and I'm telling you, he's not going to check you for you to hear a voice. It is just simply listening to your heart. What is God speaking to me? And he does that through your heart. And, and then you move forward and you take that step without fear and trust him because he's a trustworthy God. Mm. And he'll use you as an ordinary person to do extraordinary things. Yeah, you can thank. So, uh, Marion Wallace, our church has been partnering with Missions of Hope International for a little over 10 years. And we've been working in this community with you called Mathari North, right? Uh, a portion of that Mathari Valley mm-hmm. and the slums. And, um, and so uh, after those 10 years, it's like, okay, I guess I better go and see it. And so when I went um, and witnessed what God was doing, and then we we're having a lunch, I remember, um, near the end of our time, and you were sharing with me uh, about this other community, and uh, you're sharing about this other community that's been calling regularly and wanting a school, right? And then they wanted a school, but you couldn't teach about Jesus. And then you respond, it's like, well, you know, as you described to me, it's like, well, but that's what we do. Like we, we build a school and preach Jesus. And they say, okay, you can build a school, preach Jesus, but you can't bring a church. Like, well, 
Again, that's what you do, right? Everywhere you plant a school, you plant a church because you want Jesus in the middle. And so the community came back and said, okay, fine. You can plant this church, you can preach Jesus, you can plant this school, but you can't require people to convert because this is a Muslim community. And then, uh, and then you guys were like, okay, well, so then you began this relationship and you shared this community with me. They've been calling like every month you were saying like, please, can you come? Please, can you come? And you were sharing like, Brian, there's just no one to do it. There's just no one to, to finance this other project. You have 30,000 students you're partnering with. Who's going to like, we can't do this other one. Can you share with the church a little bit about Shambini? Like why out of all the needy communities in Kenya, why Shambini? Why Shambini? I believe that the children and the families of Chabini have been crying to God for help because they are in such a state of helplessness. Chabini is a community that is predominantly a Muslim community. This community has a lot of darkness, a lot of witchcraft going on, and we got to know about this community through somebody who was working as a, in the police department. We kind of got connected to him. And when he learned about Missions of Hope, he just had this strong desire for Missions of Hope to go there. But again, a community that is predominantly Muslim, they are not going to just say, oh, a Christian organization, come and do all your Christian stuff here. And so uh, they thought that they can you know, they can ask us to bring a school, and that is it. But then we told them, who, this is who we are. And the people that are actually come alongside us to support the work we do are actually Christians. They are actually churches, and mostly from America. And, and, uh, and so we have to do this and, and be able to actually do it um, uh, for Jesus. We, we are serving Christ. And, uh, and, and interestingly... Uh, for the last, um, the, we got to meet them and to go to this community the first time in 2018. So that's several years ago. And they have literally been just asking for us to go. This community, uh, over 80% of the children living in this community have no access to quality education. I think we have some stats. Scott, can you put a little bit of the stats up there? There we go. And you find that uh, almost 30% of the children are severely malnourished. There is a lot of malnutrition because they do not have access to quality food. And the quality of life for the children and their families and the people living in Jabili is very poor. And you will find that, uh, that uh, children, uh, the, the few children who are able to go to school have to walk long distances. They have to walk more than five miles, you know, one, you know, one way to get to school and back. And so the younger children, you know, when you talk of uh, early childhood education, that is not, it's, it's totally out of question. No child goes to school at their early age at all. And so uh, we feel that this is a community where we can take hope 
because we are missions of hope. We want to take the missions that God has entrusted to us, the holistic ministry that Wallace was talking about. We want to take it to this community so that they can be able to experience the love of Jesus. And so, um, you know, we we believe that uh, that it is time for them. And and one thing that we kept we have kept praying over the years. Of course, COVID happened in between, and unfortunately, we lost our friend, this guy who in. Invited, initially invited us, and at first we thought maybe these people will even stop calling us. Mm. But the call has been even more and greater because they, they really want missions of hope. They have even come and visited our other schools. And we feel that if we can be able to get partners and partners come alongside us, we can be able to work in this community together and bring the transformation, that holistic transformation that Jesus wants so badly. And one question I always ask, you know, how many, how many places can people who are actually Muslims be calling a Christian organization to do a school for their children? Mm-hmm. And one thing I usually, I, I told them, is that we, we, with us, we teach and we present, but we are not the ones who do the conversion. Even my own children, even if they're my biological children, I am not the one who converted them to be followers of Jesus. I taught them, I brought them up, you know, knowing the word of God, but it is God who calls them and who really brings that mm-hmm. conversion through the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that's what is going to happen when we start working in this community. So I'm really excited that we can be able to do it. And uh, the community is really excited as we as we go there end of this month for, with, with, with brothers and sisters from uh, Chino Valley. Uh, you know, it's going to be a, a, a big time because this is going to be a mark of God beginning to do a great work in that community. So um, when I was in Kenya uh, and I heard Mary talk about this community and you mentioned about it's not an earth-shaking voice, right? There's just something in my heart that's like, man, I think that's something that God wants us to take a lead in in this new community, right? We were there to want to do ministry in Mathari North. And, uh, and then you're telling me about what would need to happen, right? To, to do this ministry, it's $120,000 just to start, right? To get started. Just to get started. Uh, but upwards of over a million dollars to really build out the ministry. Is that right? Yes, eventually, yeah. And so I'm hearing that figure and my head is like, okay, that, we're not doing that right? And that's so much money. But God just started to bring to mind, remember four years ago, we started to build relationships with all these churches in the Chino Valley in hopes that God wanted to do something with us together. I got to tell you, it's been frustrating to do stuff together with these other churches. It's just hard to do ministry with other churches. And so it just, so I talked to Mary, he's like, well, Maybe if we can get a bunch of churches from the Chino Valley to do something together in Kenya, you know, like, eh, I'll talk to them and see. And, and so I started, when I got back from Kenya, I started to have one-on-one conversations with pastors in the Chino Valley. And uh, every one of our relationships that I talked with, uh, all of them were excited about the idea to the point where eight have decided that they'll join me in Kenya at the end of this month. Uh, in hopes that God would call us together 
to plant a school and a church and bring Jesus and medicine and nutrition to these kids. And, and here's, the, here's the churches. So our church, the Bridge Church in Chino, Cross Point, uh, Bethany Montclair. I know they're not in the Chino Valley, but we let them join us. Um, <laughs> Transformation Church, Pastor Jody, their church joins us in Men's Breakfast, Upward Call Church, Southlands Chino, Coin Church, and six of us are going down there. And the other two churches said, okay, well, we can't go on a trip, but if you guys are in, we're in too. So, so our hope and our prayer, and this is what I want to announce to you, is because of your faithfulness and giving to the church, we have an abundance of resources. We have extra that we're going to go in hopes that we can seed with these other churches and ministry. You know, Mary, it started with you with one grocery run. Um, so I, I think we're, I'm hoping and in faith that God would use our one grocery run, Amen. uh, at the end of January with these other pastors that what God, I believe has led me to do, um, and God has led you to do hopefully one Lord, one spirit, one hope, one calling, right? One father who is in all and over all. So if all of us are going there seeking the Lord together, I'm confident that we will have, unity together. And so uh, January 23rd, um, we're heading out for two weeks, a group of pastors from our area to go and uh, show them what God is doing in Mohi, and then all of us to go and and, uh, see Shambini in hopes and confidence that God would start start a a new work. Um, And so I'm asking uh, you to pray with us um, I've been in misery a long time. I've never met anyone who has eight to 10 church partners doing something together in another part of the world. I just think if God can do anything, he can do that. But mm-hmm. like, I, I, I don't hear him doing that a lot. So it's a little unique and odd and a little intimidating. Um, but pray for us that, you know, you get... Uh, two leaders from every church. Our church is sending a few more, but they're going to be a team of 18 and pray that God will, would share with everybody um, and give us all confidence so we could do this big thing together. Um, Mary uh, and Wallace, before we go, um, there's so many needs in Kenya. I mean, there's so many needs around the world, right? Kenya is no different than California, the U.S., but what are some challenges you're facing now and, and what are ways that just ordinary people like us mm. can, can be supporting and encouraging and helping you in your ministry? Yeah, thank you so much. You know, as we go to these communities and with all these uh, number of children, we are always in the need of uh, sponsorship for these children uh, because it's that sponsorship of the children that opens up their families and the communities for us to Minister, So sponsoring children with $40 a month makes a whole big difference. And uh, we are constantly in need of, um, you know, workers who are coming to do ministry. Because it's one thing uh, for somebody to come and they see it as a job and quite another for people to be committed uh, to the ministry. And so we always pray that God will give us people who have a heart for ministry to work alongside us. And uh, we are always in need of developing leaders because the organization is growing. Mm -hmm. And so there is need for us to keep uh, 
developing these leaders, and uh, we thank God that he has enabled us to develop a leadership development program. And, uh, and, you know, as leaders, you know, we need wisdom and grace from God. So you can pray for us as leaders that uh, God will constantly keep us focused on, uh, on him, uh, even as the work continues to grow. Mm. Okay. And it reminded me, you said, so your ministry, it's majority led by Kenyans, yes. right? Yes. So you have social workers, educators, pastors. So, so part of your ministry is to train up Kenyans, Christian Kenyan people to reach Kenyan people yes. with the gospel. So that's a constant need of finding those Christian Kenyan people. But you're not, you're okay with American people coming over and helping too. Yeah, yeah, you don't actually, have to be Kenyan. Actually, we always encourage that uh, when you partner with us, and I believe uh, Shino Vade, you have, you know, some of you have come on short-term mission trips. Uh, we always encourage that our partners bring um, mission teams to come and work alongside our Kenyan staff, because we believe that when the body of Christ is united together for the same cause, then God uh, commands His blessings there because of that. That unity. And also we have a few American missionaries who have come and they are working alongside the Kenyans mm. as well. And overall we have more than 1,600 staff that are serving in wow. Missions of Hope. Wow. Hallelujah. Well, um, my hope and prayer is introducing Mary and Wallace to you. First is uh, I keep telling uh, when I was talking to the other pastors, like I can describe Mohi, but you have to meet Mary and Wallace to really understand Mohi, because it's so much of who God has built you to be, not just as individuals, but together. Um, so I'm grateful for you, for your faithfulness to the Lord. I'm thankful for your faithfulness to God's people in Kenya. And I'm thankful that you allow people like us to partner with you and uh, serve Jesus alongside of you. And so um, I would love to pray for you too for your family, for your ministry. And then Wallace, uh, I'd ask that, would you mind praying for uh, our church people, uh, for our church, for God's work in us and through us as a church? Um, as always, you can do it in English, in Swahili, whatever you want to do, because, you know, God is a God of all nations and all, all languages. Um, but then uh, can, can we pray together? Father, again, we are here, God is a church, most of us, God, because we believe in who you are. We know that you have built everything out of nothing, and we believe in your mercy, God, that you allow broken people like us to be brought together, transformed into your image and used for your glory. God, we also believe that what you have done in our lives and through our church, God, you do all over the world and in every community, in every nation, every tribe, in every language, God, you are doing the same work. God, for Mary and Wallace, I want to thank you for what you have done in their lives. God, for your call, God, for the faith and wisdom that you have given them, God, for the courage that you have empowered them with, God, that they are willing to continue to pursue and take on more and more for your glory. God, I'm grateful for their, for their humility. God, when they boast, they boast of what you have done in their lives. You boast of what you have done for their family. So God, I pray first for their protection. 
God, may you continue to draw Mary and Wallace close together and close to you. God, that in, in all that you are doing in the Mohi, God, may they see you working the most in their home and in their marriage and in their hearts. God, we pray for their children that you would lead them and guide them. God, that you would protect them and inspire them. And God, that you would do a similar work in their hearts that you are doing in Marion Wallace. And God, that the legacy that they were building would continue to grow and thrive, even in the hearts and lives of their children. And God, for the ministry, God, may you continue to provide for it. God, for these children and for these families, God, we pray that you would continue to to reach their hearts, prepare their hearts, God, that they would see you as we do, that they would hear of your grace and mercy and they would have the humility to receive it. God, for the 1,600 staff that are throughout Kenya serving and ministering and working in the midst, God, we ask that you would continue to protect them, inspire them, and equip and empower them for your glory together. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our God and our Father, we are so thankful because of your work here in Chinovari Community Church and other churches that are working together with uh, CVCC, our God and our Savior. We are so grateful, dear Lord God Almighty, because of the unity that uh, you have built up, O God, and that you have connected us uh, together with this church, O God. And our God and our Savior, we uh, lift the leadership of this church uh, to you, our God, that Lord God Almighty, that uh, you will continue to release your grace upon them, that you give them wisdom, our God and our Savior. And the Lord God Almighty, that uh, you will continue, our God and our Savior, to use them uh, to minister to this congregation, to minister to the families that, are, uh, that come to this church, O oh God. We pray, our God and our Savior, because of the families, that uh, you will continue, O oh God Almighty Father, to minister to them and to transform them by your gospel, our God, that they will continue to be your true witnesses in this valley and beyond, O oh God. And Lord God Almighty Father, together with the other churches that are partnering together with them, our God, the Lord God Almighty Father, you will impact this community, O oh God, that dear Lord that many will be able to see the great work that you're doing and they will be drawn to you our God and our Savior for as they lift you Jesus Christ that you draw men and women to you our God we thank you our God and our Savior because of this partnership our God we pray that it shall be an opportunity for many oh God almighty father to be a blessing oh God to many uh, in far off places but also to be a big blessing to them oh God and as a family tunakushukuru ewe mungu baba kwa sababu tunajua kwamba wewe die ambaye umeanzisha hii kazi Mungu wetu na tunajua kwamba utatenda mengi na ya ajabu ewe bwana na tunaomba ya kwamba ukajitukuze ewe Mungu katika hii kazi Mungu wetu na utuunganishe pamoja Mungu Baba kwa upendo wako Mungu Baba ndipo mapenzi yako ikatimilike Mungu Baba maisha ya wengi ikaende kubadilika Mungu Baba na ukapate kutukuzwa na kuinuliwa ewe Mungu na tunaomba ya kwamba ukawapanulie mipaka hili kanisa Mungu Baba na makanisa yote ambao itakao husika Mungu wetu ndipo mahali hapa ikasemekane ya kwamba wewe ni Mungu Mungu Baba na wewe die ambaye unawapata kuinua Mungu Baba ni asante ewe Mungu kwa sababu watakuwa washuhuda wako Mungu Baba wa kweli tunakutukuza na tunakuabudu maana tumeomba tukiamini katika jina kuna takatifu lake Yesu Kristo Amen Amen, Amen. Amen. Marion Wallace thank you 
Thank you for joining with us and for sharing your heart and ministry with us. I wanted you to meet Marion Wallace for a couple reasons. One, so you could hear a little bit about what I think God is calling our church to, to do even more. But I wanted you to also have another example of ordinary people that God was doing extraordinary things through. And if God could do it through all those people throughout Scripture, if God could do it in my life and in Marion Wallace, why not you? I'd like to ask for you to consider one, one step you can take. One step you can take to follow God and not just bring, growing in your faith in your life, but bringing the truth of God to someone else's life. And I came up with four ideas, four ways that you can be a part of it. There's more than these four, but these are four. If you're like, Brian, I just don't know the first step to take. I don't know what to do. First idea I had, maybe sponsor a child through Mohi. Maybe begin to, to partner with Marion Wallace. $40 a month brings food for kids who don't have it, medicine for kids who don't have it, training for families who don't have it, education for kids who can't get it and the gospel to families that don't have it. $40 a month, you, we're, and uh, the school that we partner with, Mathari North, that we currently do, it's 98%, or I'm sorry, 92% sponsored. 8% of kids that still need supporting. And if you would be open and wanting to do that, uh, my wife would be out at the table, just look for one of the cute ladies out there, and a sign that says Mohi, and uh, you can sponsor a child today. Another thing, if you're sponsoring a child, our commitment is we're going to try and get to Kenya every two years. Uh, And so you could even go and meet the child you're sponsoring, see what God is doing uh, firsthand. So first thing you might want to do is consider sponsoring a child. Second, maybe go on a short-term trip. Our church partners with uh, uh, over 30 um, organizations and partners just like Mary and Wallace and four, uh, we're going to go partner with this summer, uh, Ecuador, uh, partnering with Free Wheelchair Mission and bringing wheelchairs to some of the uh, poorest uh, people who have no mobility. And as a result, they can't even get outside, so many of them. But you can come and not only bring mobility, but you can bring the gospel to them. And so maybe consider Ecuador, Estonia. A partner in a group, less than 2% in that country, less than 2% of people know who Jesus is and have a relationship with them. If you want to go and play soccer with a bunch of kids where they can come and, and learn skills and play soccer together with Americans and hear the glory of God and be a part of a discipleship journey that will fulfill their life throughout the year, maybe consider Estonia, Moldova. Moldova is an area that's been in the news because of the Ukraine war and and pastors already are doing two, three jobs plus their ministry. And so Victor is going to be leading a trip where we can just go for a week and offer a place of spiritual rest and encouragement for pastors that have just been under immense pressure for years and come and provide a, a place of ministry and restoration for their, for their uh, marriage, for their children, a place of rest and comfort and renewal for them. And lastly, gleanings in Central California where we go and, and prepare food and dry it so it can go to world uh, missions all over the world to feed the hungry just from our own 
backyard in Central California. Four, four trips going on this summer that you might want to consider. That's a second option. Third option, say, Brian, I don't want to travel anywhere. Great. We have a ton of local ministry options right here. Options Women's Care Center partnering with women who are choosing life but need someone to walk with them in the midst of it. We have an educator's ministry, Food for Life, where we help deliver food to the neediest of our own community. Release Time Christian Education, where we can bring the gospel and biblical truth to kids within our public schools. Operation Christmas Child, Boys Republic, um, a new ministry for our church. Go and minister to at-risk youth right next door to our church. And of course, our quilting ministry, Love, Pray, So. And there's a sign-up sheets out in the courtyard if you'd like more information about those. Or here's the fourth area. Share your faith right here. Share your faith right here. We have these New Testaments available for you over at the Information Center. You might say, Brian, I, I don't know what to say. Within the front cover of the Bible, you have all the questions. That you, A great uh, conversation direction for you on the front cover. On the back, answers all the questions. Maybe there's already one person that you know God has placed in your life to hear about the glory of God through you. Maybe the one step you can take is just sharing your faith with one person. One person this week that you can share your faith with. Uh, four options, four opportunities, four steps, one that maybe you can take even today to consider allowing God to do something extraordinary through your life. You know, the longer I've been a Christian, the more I recognize that missions, evangelism, it's not a burden. It's a blessing. It's a response. The more we recognize what God has been doing in our lives and through our lives, it should build in us this desire to proclaim him even more. The Apostle Paul believes the same thing. After he discussed communion, he said this. He said, for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. And that's really why we practice communion, right? It's because we want to not only remember what God has done for us, but it should bubble in with us a desire to share it, to proclaim it to others. First Sunday of every month, we do communion. First element is the bread. It's, it's symbolic of the body of Christ broken for you and for me to remind us of the dedication that Jesus had. He didn't see heaven as something to be held onto, but he set it aside and came and took on the form of his own creation so he can suffer and die for you and for me. And then there's the cup, symbolic of the blood of Christ, reminds us of the power of Jesus through his death and resurrection. He's not only paid the consequence, the debt of your sin, but he has placed you in communion with God. He has empowered you with his Holy Spirit and called you to a ministry of reconciliation, not just for people in the Chino Valley, between the Chino Valley and God, but around the world. So communion today is a reminder, not just of what Jesus has done for you, but a reminder of what Jesus wants to continue to do in you and through you as well. So in just a moment, our church leaders will come forward and they will release you a row at a time to come and take the elements. If you are a follower of Christ, if you are someone who has, Jesus has paid for the consequences of your sin, if you're someone who is committing to live your life as a reflection of the glory of God, come and take the elements back to your seat. And then once we all have them, we'll take communion together.